In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. A few summers ago, I made a visit to some lifelong family friends who live just outside of Boston. Tom and Janice are two of the best people I know. And because they've been in my life since I was about five, seeing them always feels like a step back in time, but in the best kind of way. Over the years, we've had many joy-filled visits but this weekend in particular was extra special. As luck would have it, my travel plans overlapped with the day their grandson was to be baptized, an occasion I'm glad to say I had the privilege to attend. The service itself was pretty intimate. Held on a sleepy summer Saturday, we pretty much had the space to ourselves as one by one folks made their way inside the parish doors. When it came time for the baptism to begin, the priest asked all the family and loved ones to gather in a big circle around the font in the back of the church. It was a beautiful moment. I looked around at the faces of the parents and the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and everyone who was there. They were so happy. And even though I was one of the only people there who wasn't a blood relative of this child, I couldn't help but smile because my presence in the midst of this moment made me feel like one of the family. I was awash with the promise of new life and a moment of witness to the inbreaking of God's kingdom. Extending the joy we all carried from the font, after the baptism, Tom and Janice invited everyone back to their house for a festive summer party. There was good food and cake and a lot of love shared. However, the reason I'm telling this story is because at that party, I met someone who stands out in my memory as one of the few truly holy people I have had the privilege to meet. To put it one way, her soul magnified the Lord. Her spirit exalted. It rejoiced in God the Savior. Though Hollywood sometimes has a tendency to portray nuns as strict or harsh, not once in my life have I met a woman religious who fit that description, and Sister Maxine is no exception. While much could be said about her life and her journey, it bears mentioning that the reason she was at Tom and Janice's house celebrating the baptism of their grandson was that her connection to the family went back quite a bit. You see, when Tom was in high school, Sister Maxine was his chemistry teacher, and through her ministry, and though her ministry quickly moved beyond teaching to include a great many things, Tom and Sister Maxine stayed in touch 
and formed a relationship that would stand even decades later. In a conversation shared amidst Tom and Janice's backyard baptism bash, what I eventually learned is that Sister Maxine has made a lifetime out of lifting up the lowly and filling the hungry with good things. As our exchange went on, I became more and more amazed by the depth of her compassion and the beauty of her story. A tale of tenderness and unwavering care that she relayed to me without an ounce of ego. How do you do it? I wondered. How do you keep going? How do you love so fiercely without the danger of burning out? In words I'll never forget, Sister Maxine responded, It is good and it is right for us to move towards our neighbors with reverence, to move towards God's people as if they are tabernacles who contain the very presence of Christ, because they are and they do. Yet it is also good and right for us to become acquainted with our limits and to know the work that is God's alone to make new. However, she said, what I want you to know and to hold on to is that in the chasm that exists between what we can do and what God can do, there is a bridge. And when the world seems too disfigured from the way we know it ought to be, our job as Christians is to stand at the very top of that bridge and pray and lament and sing our praise to the resurrected Christ who promises a new heaven and a new earth. Beloved in Christ, as we come together to celebrate the feast of St. Mary, who is the Theotokos, the God-bearer, the mother of Christ, it is worth pondering the polarities in Mary's song. These 10 verses lifted from Luke's gospel form the words to a hymn that Mary sings to her cousin Elizabeth when she recognizes her as the mother of the Lord. As a marginalized person living in a land that is occupied by the military of a foreign power, Mary knew what it meant to feel lowly and to navigate the dangerous fractures of a broken world. And yet, even though there is a chasm that exists between the world as she knows it and the promise God has made, she climbs to the very top of the bridge that crosses the void between those two places, and she sings. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In the words of Andrew Purvis, Mary's inward knowledge of the good work God has done and continues in her, causes her to worship. The lyrics of her life name a profound reversal that is God's to bring about. What she sings is a resurrection hope, a message that has particular resonance for the lowly, for those who hunger for good things. And as I hope to illustrate with the story I began with, I think Sister Maxine is among the people who very much knows what it means to live by Mary's example, 
because she is intimately familiar with the limits of her mortal body. And yet that doesn't stop her from loving fiercely, joining her hands to the work of God. On this day that shines a light on the downtrodden and the marginalized, I think it is well for us to remember that we are called to be people of action who sing and march and work for the coming of God's kingdom. And though there are sure to be moments when we too find ourselves rudely confronted with uncontrollable realities, when we are tempted to give up, the thing we can always do is climb to the top of that same bridge singing Mary's song in fervent prayer as we remember the marginalized places in our world and try once again to reorient our hope and our living to the reversal the scriptures have promised. However, against the backdrop of fearsome challenges, what cannot be missed, what cannot be missed is the joy that radiates across these verses. As Trisha Centerfit notes, Mary sings because she has new life in her. While there is no doubt that Mary's vocation is greater than any calling we could ever aspire to, it shares an important connection to the life every Christian is beckoned towards. In the same way that Mary has sung of new life across the ages, so too we must also sing, because that is precisely what it means to be baptized. As disciples of Jesus, we are called each and every day to create a choir that sings a resurrection hope. In the following of our crucified and risen Lord, we are instructed in the present time, in the here and now of our lives, to call daily upon ourselves and all whom we meet to bring the locations of our living into a better alignment with the world as it ought to be. In short, the task to which we are set upon is to magnify the Lord. Dear friends, as we remember Mary's message and celebration of this feast, my hope for each of us this day is that we will carry God's promise of new life with a deep, abiding joy, so much so that it radiates forth in all that we do. And on those days when we feel limited in our ability to create meaningful change, I hope that we will make our way to the top of that never-failing bridge that spans the distance between our want for something better and the promise that is longed for. And in that spot, I hope we will find the courage to pray and lament and sing our praise to the resurrected Christ so that we can return from our worship, ready to once again be a people who walk beside the marginalized and the lowly in search of a new heaven and a new earth. Amen.